All right, welcome back to another episode of Digs in Distance uh, our, for our NFL pick segment. Um, I got Noah and Colton on the phone already. Uh, so, just a quick update on picks after last week. I got four and I am up to 22. Colton got three and is up to 25. And Noah has two and is at 21. So... That brings us to this week's games, starting with the 49ers, well, the Vikings at the 49ers. 49ers are favored by 7. Um, and let's start with Colton on this one. I'm going to go with an upset, and I'm going to go with a double points. I'm taking the Vikings. Nice. Okay. How by how many? I'm gonna take them to go by eight. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. So Colton's going for double the points, picking the Vikings by eight. Um, I'm also gonna go with Vikings for double, um, but I am gonna pick them by one. Noah, what is your pick? Um, I'm going to take the 49ers to cover. To cover, okay. So, Noah, 49ers by 7. Okay. Let me just add something. I hope the 49ers win, but I am going with the Vikings. Yeah, I think... I think it'll be a good game, but um, I think the Vikings can pull it out. Yeah. All right. That brings us to the Titans at the Ravens. Ravens are favored by 10. Um, I'll start this one. This one's a little tricky. I think Baltimore will win, but Tennessee has been sneaky at times. So I'm yeah. trying to decide if I think Baltimore will win by at least 10 or not. Um, but I am going to go with the Ravens to cover. Uh, Noah, you next on this one? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to take them to cover too. Okay. How about you, Colton? I'm also going to take the Ravens to cover. And you are right. Tennessee is sneaky good at times. The Ravens have to stop Derrick Henry from getting pretty good and starting out hot. Yeah, which is easier said than done, but yeah. But Tennessee also has to try to slow down the Ravens' tough offense. So yeah, first place. Yep. Okay, that brings us to another ten-point spread. We got the Texans at the Chiefs, with the Chiefs favored by ten. Noah, you start us out on this one. Because it's a 10 spread. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to pick anyone to win by 10. So I think I'm going to take the Texans to cover. Okay. How about you, Colton? I'm going to take the Chiefs. Chiefs to cover? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs to cover, too. I like Houston, but 
I think Kansas City will do enough to cover the spread, personally. Um, then, that, of course, leads us to the last game. We got Seattle at Green Bay. Green Bay was favored by four and a half. I am going to go with the upset again, and I am going to go with the Seahawks for double the points by one point. How about you, Colton? Oh, this one's too easy. I'm going to take the Packers to cover. Okay. I'm agreeing with Colton. I'm going to take the Packers to cover also. Okay. The Seahawks have to find a way to stop Aaron Jones. And the Seahawks also have their own line better show up or else it's going to be like a Vikings game and... Yeah, they'll have to come to play, but I think Seattle could do it. But it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting uh-huh. to watch. So. Yeah. yeah, and I'm excited too for the Viking 49er game because they honestly, if you watch the 49ers and Vikings, they actually have very similar systems. So they should know each other's philosophies fairly well because they actually have very similar systems. And the forty nine and the forty ers are one of the only teams that relies on the run even more than the Vikings do. So, I mean, they are they have a very similar philosophy though. They got to run to be able to win. Yeah, I forgot to add this last night too when you and I were talking, Elijah. The Seahawks or the. 49ers are 4 and 5 against the Vikings in the playoffs. Hmm. And I believe the last loss came to when they were playing each other when Brett Favre was the quarterback. Well, I remember that game, but that wasn't in the playoffs, though, when we had Favre. But I do remember, I do remember them playing, though. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, so unless either of you guys have anything else to add, that's it for the picks. Uh, no, I think I'm good. Okay, how about you, Colton? I'm good also. Alright, sounds good. We'll talk again after this weekend. So, thanks guys. Bye. Yep, bye. bye. Alright, thanks as always for listening to the Digs and Distance NFL pick segment. That'll wrap up this part, and then we'll finish the podcast later on. Hello, welcome back to finish this episode of Digs and Distance football podcast. Um, A little earlier in the week this time at least. Uh, Anyway, I'm going to be getting Colton on the phone here in a minute. Uh, talking some more. Also, um, this one will probably be broken into a couple different segments um, because of different things going on today, but we will get it done regardless. Um, Also, uh, this one will not be Facebook Live. I know I've been doing that, but I'm kind of multitasking, so 
Um, this one will not be Facebook Live, but in the future I will be doing that again. So, anyway, on that note, I'm going to try to get Colton on the phone. Hey Colton, how's it going? That's wrong. Yeah. So, thanks for coming on again as always. Look forward to our talk as always. So, before we talk about the national championship, let's uh, backtrack a little bit and talk uh, last week's playoffs and also... Uh, what your initial thoughts are on the Packer 49er game coming up? Going on right now? Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you thought of games last week, um, you know, what you thought of the outcomes, and also what you think of the Packer 49er matchup. I was kind of shocked because I picked the Vikings to win. I was kind of shocked that they lost the way that they did, and I think you are too, as you as we both picked them to win, and obviously we both lost on that one. Right. And, and I'm also kind of shocked that the Titans are doing pretty pretty good in the playoffs this year, better than two years ago when they played the Patriots and they got blown out of the building. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, and even though I think, two, I think you and I, if I remember, I both, or no, it was me and Noah. You picked the Titans, I think. But no, I didn't pick the Titans to win. I picked the the only game I think I did for underdogs was the Vikings game, I believe. I okay. Don't know. Well, what I was saying is, for, I was actually talking about the first round of the playoffs. Somebody picked. Oh the, yeah, yeah. I I think I did. Yeah, I and I think no one. I picked the Patriots, um, and I almost picked Tennessee, but just because it was Brady and Belichick, it was hard not to pick them. Yeah. But even though I saw Tennessee having a chance, but what surprised me was. And I thought they had a chance against Baltimore. I mean, I thought they'd keep it close, let's put it yeah. that way. I didn't expect them to come out and play like they did, though. And I've been watching sports shows since Monday of this week after the, after the game or whatever. And they've been saying that Baltimore made a really bad decision on resting their starters on the last game of the season. And that the only one that they should have done was Mark Ingram that way. Well, yeah, I can see that. Because if you look at the game, they all looked rusty. All of them did. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, um, that did, I mean, so that shocked me a little bit. Not that they played well, but the fashion they did it against the Ravens. Yeah, I think a yeah. lot of people were shocked by that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Vikings kept it close for a while and then yeah. unfortunately kind of imploded, so to speak. Um, but when you don't do much on offense, it's hard to keep in the game the whole game. Um, and... Yeah. 
I mean, we saw the same thing when you guys played them the first time, so... You get... And I'm, I'm not fully putting the blame on Kirk Cousins. I'm like, I was talking to someone on Snapchat on Saturday, and he's like, Oh, it's all Kirk Cousins' fault. No, it's not. It's no, it's not, not. Kirk Cousins' fault. It's your O-line, and it's everything else. Yep. I still... I honestly don't know that it would have made a difference, but I still don't like at all how Stefanski interviewed for a head coaching job two days before a huge playoff game. You you have to, and I hear what you're talking, and I hear what you're saying, and I don't think Mike Patton, at least I don't think he interviewed, I know he was on that list for that job. I don't think he did, but you still have to let your coaches interview for the job. I'm not saying he can't interview. I just don't like. I I just don't like how the NFL allows that to happen the same week as a huge playoff game. I I kind of agree with you. And And well, and all I was gonna say on that, and again, we don't know if it made a difference or not. No. But this is the second time in a row. Where we've had a coach interview for a different job the week of our playoff game where we lose. Because it happened when we lost to Philadelphia, too. Yeah, that, that, that is right. I was going to bring this up, and I don't know if you agree with me or if you agree with said person. I think it was either Nick Wright or Colin Carroll said that, you know... I'm not going to say it's this Kevin's area for the offense because I can see Gary Kubiak as, um, how do I want to word this? Um, it's all his offense and not, not Kevin Stefanski's offense. Like, he's out there with the play called the play sheet, but he's probably getting a word from... I agree in one area and disagree in the other. And this is just my opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. I agree because it's pretty obvious they're running a Kubiak-style offense with the zone running game. Okay, that's obvious. Yeah. But I still think that Stefanski still had all the ability to call his own plays. Yeah, he knew what I, he knew what Zimmer wanted as far as like, uh, a, you know, a run balance and stuff. That's how Zimmer is. He wants, you know, that's the reason that DeFilippo got fired. Is if you pass too much, he's gonna he's not afraid to get rid of you because he wants an old school offense, which as we saw worked in the regular season, but hasn't worked. And it worked against the Saints, but not against the 49ers. Anyway. So we know Zimmer has a handle on it like any head coach. You know, a lot of times they have a system they want to run. Yeah, the coordinator is still calling plays, but it's based on whatever system they run. So I I think Stefanski was calling the plays and had the full control of that. But it was either, regardless, though, it's, you know, we all know that Kubiak had a huge part in the style of offense yeah. they ran. So. Yeah. Yeah, obviously hire him, and you can, <clears throat> and 
What do you mean by that exactly? Like, like what you just said in your, um, that it's Gary Kubiak's uh, kind of offense, basically. Yeah. Zone, zone and stuff. I didn't see any of that. Like, I didn't see anything from when he was coaching with Tom Brady. Or no, not Tom Brady. Uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um. No, it's they were definitely running Kubiak's run game. I mean, that's the reason they yeah. hired... That's the reason they hired Kubiak and brought in Dennison as a line coach and brought in his son because they wanted him. So they brought in a bunch of coaches with him. So they were definitely running his own scheme. There's no doubt about it. But, yeah. like I said, I still think that Stefanski was calling the plays. You think they're going to hire Pat Shermer? Too late. He's uh he's already been hired by the Broncos. To be their he's yeah he's in Denver now to be their coordinator. So who do you think they're gonna who do you think the Vikings are gonna get? Okay, I I'm gonna throw a few names out there just for my listeners' sake, and then I'll tell you the guy I think they'll hire. Okay. Okay. So obviously one logical choice would be Gary Kubiak. Obviously. Another choice would be keep Gary in his current position because it Mm -hmm. seemed like that worked really well and hire his son, who was our quarterback's coach, his son Clint, to be offensive coordinator because, you know, they've already worked together to a degree. So that would be another choice. And then... You know, another choice would be, um, this one I think is the least, well, actually I'm going to throw two more names out there, which I don't think are as high on the list, but still potential possibilities. One of them would be making Rick Dennison the coordinator, but I don't really see them going that route, making the O-line coach a coordinator, although it's possible, you never know. And he's a very well-respected line coach. One of the most well-respected ones across the league. And even though certain games, obviously, as we know, we struggled giving up sacks against the Packers and stuff. But overall, they were still quite a bit better, actually, than last year. Like, statistically, even though certain games, they still struggled. Overall, they were better. Um, So anyway, there's that. And then, another dark horse candidate. I don't think they'll hire him, but dark horse just because he could be a sneaky... He could be a sneaky hire, even though I don't think it'll happen. And it's because him and Zimmer know each other pretty well. But that would be to hire Hugh Jackson, the former Browns coach. Very interesting. Now, if I... Now, if I was guessing right now on who it'll be, 
I honestly, if I had to guess, um, I think it'll be, um, if I'm guessing right now, I'll, I'd have to put my money on Kubiak staying where he is and then making his son off as the coordinator. That would be my guess. Yeah. And I was reading up on this because I seen something and uh, Mike Zimmer said that he wants to stay in-house for offensive coordinator, which is kind of obvious. You want to have someone who knows the scheme, knows what you want to do, right. and, everything, and everything else. I think, and I don't know if it's going to happen, it's probably a long shot. It's either TV after or some, one or two. It's one of those two that's going to get it. Yeah, and that's exactly what I think, too, like I just said, so... Um, like I said, if I had to guess, I think it'll be the son, and they'll keep Gary in the position he's in, because I think they like him in that position, and then yeah. make his son offensive coordinator. But, um, we will see. I could be wrong, but I think that's what will happen. Now, while, while we're on the topic, if you don't mind... I'm going to just throw a couple names out there for also our defensive coordinator spot. Even though I think everybody assumes Zimmer will still call the plays. But obviously, yeah. well, I shouldn't say obviously. Because I think he'll hire a defensive coordinator. I did read one article that said since he's calling plays anyway, he might just have one less hire and officially name himself defensive coordinator. But... I don't see that happening. Like, we, he already calls the plays, but why not have somebody help you game plan, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, I don't see that happening. Um, now, as far as guys that could be possibilities, um, you've got uh, our D-line coach, who is very well respected. You know, he's obviously done a great job with our defensive line. Um <laughs> So you've got uh, Andre Patterson. Um, you know, he's our current D-line coach. That would be a possibility. But I also think, you know, we could possibly have two, well, I mean, we already have two father-son combos on the staff, but in pretty big roles because I still think if I had to pick a favorite, I think for the D coordinator spot, Zimmer could hire his son, who's the linebacker coach currently. And because he's his son, he's used to taking orders from his dad anyway, you know. So with his dad calling plays, I think it would be a natural fit, but he could help him yeah. game plan. So I think Adam has a good chance to get the D coordinator spot and Clint to get the O coordinator spot, which would be interesting, but... Yeah, I, I could see that. Be like um, Bill Belichick and have his son on defense, because Bill has his son on defense, I think. I believe for a few times I saw him with the play sheet in his hand. Oh, really? Bill, okay. That, that, that was Bill's son, I believe, yeah. Which was kind of interesting. It was the talk. It was, a, it was the talk for a few weeks, actually, on few sports shows I watched. Right. I could see Mike hiring his uh, 
his son, to be honest. Yeah. 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 I. Yeah, I could definitely see it happening. Um. So anyway, there's there's a little bit of talking on that. Uh. Just curious what you thought, since we're talking coaching right now, of the Giants hiring Baylor's coach for the amount of money they're giving him. How much are they giving him again? Um, let me look up the details really quick. I know it's a lot of money. Um, I know, sorry. I got the teams mixed up accidentally because the Giants hired Joe Judge. That's that's right. Um, they gave him a five-year contract from the Patriots. But uh, uh, who was it now that – oh, Carolina. Carolina, that's right. And he got seven years and $62 million coming from college to the NFL. From what I heard, and you can probably back this up because you watch college, I don't. I'll, I'll watch it to the championship, that's about it. Yep. Um, from what I heard, Matt Rule is a very good coach. He's turned around uh, whatever coaching position he had last, and then the previous one, he's made them a lot better than what they were. He'll start out rough and then usually four years in or third year or whatever, he'll be very good. Right. From what I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's a very good coach too, so um I think he will be good. You know, it's always hard to know for sure with these college guys, but yes. I do think he'll be good though. And he does have a proven track record, so I believe he has, he was in the NFL before, and he did it for the Giants. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, I'll ask you this. Do you think Joe Burrow's going to go to Carolina? That's where his offensive coordinator is. No, because I don't think Burrow is going to make it past the number one pick. Ooh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, who I told you about on Messenger, got off the phone before you called, Yep. him and I were talking, and he thinks Joe Burrow is going to go number one, and Chase Young is going to go number two. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. And I, I agree, and I agree with him. I don't see any way that Burrow goes past number one. The Bengals need a replacement for Dalton, so. Yeah. I don't either. And I also, and he also said that he sees Tua going in the top five. And I'm like, I can see that too. I think it depends. Um, the injury. Right, I do think, I'm trying to remember if Miami's right at five, because I think he'll go to Miami wherever Miami picks. Um, Every team is going to move up into that top five spot, because I think it's one through six or something like that needs a quarterback bad. Well, Washington 
will take Chase Young, in my opinion, because... They better, because if they don't, they it's going to be a bad move on them. They aren't going to give up on... Uh, I don't think they're going to give up on Haskins yet. It's too early for that. So I think they'll yeah. go Chase Young. And then you... And then Miami is number five, like I thought. I think, I think they'll take Tua, and I think the Chargers will take Herbert from Oregon with the very next pick at number six. Washington needs to draft on defense and draft on offense. They need an O. They need a better O line and bad. Right. Get it. Get a running back while you're at it, too, because your star running back keeps on getting hurt in preseason. That's why, you, that's why they use AP. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, it'll be... And the Vikings obviously need to look at linemen, no doubt about that. I haven't... Yeah. I haven't... Because we were in the playoffs and because we won our first game... You know, outside of a few guys and guys right at the top, you know, I haven't done a ton of research yet like I do some years into the draft and who the really good linemen are. But I'd be shocked if they don't go line in the first round for sure. So I would say go line and if they don't plan on signing Kirk Cousins to a contract... Either draft a quarterback, and if they don't draft a quarterback, draft on the O-line and wait till free agency to see who's a good quarterback next year. Bring back Teddy. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring him back. They, Chicago could use the quarterback too, but they're going with Mitchell Trubisky, which is a well, that's, on their part. We already talked about this one day. They yeah. say that. But I've seen coaches change their minds. Like, yeah, if if Rivers or Brady really is available and they want to sign one of them, I wouldn't be shocked if they signed one of them. Who? And I don't know if you watched Tiger Games or anything. Uh, I mean, if during the Vikings' bye week or when they're playing, you know, if they aren't at the same time, sometimes I do, yeah. What? should we draft or what should we get in free agency like offense defense anything well you got at quarterback and running back we know that obviously <laughs> um i guess i don't know too much about you know your tight end situation um you know if you guys could use another tight end possibility um your D-line is pretty good from what I've seen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, like, pay super close attention, but I'd say maybe tight end, uh, maybe another receiver, um, and then maybe some potentially a linebacker. But you'd be able to tell me more. What are your thoughts? I kind of agree on that. We need... I would say O-line. O-line is good at times, but not as good as I'd like to see it. And 
I'm not basing it off of a 49ers scam. I probably am. I don't know. But we do need O-line probably a little bit. And our D-line's good. Could draft on defense. Could draft on offense for wide receiver or tight end, like, like you said. Right. Okay. Um. So, yeah, there's that. One guy I really hope the Vikings draft. You know, I don't know how high he'll go. You know, cause, but he did officially enter the draft, and he was a he was a unanimous first team All American. So unanimously just shows you how good he was. But I'd love to bring Antoine Winfield Jr. in here in like the second round if he's still there at safety. I think. I mean, he led the. He was tied for the lead in the country with I think he finished with eight interceptions. And like I, and like I said, he was a unanimous first team All American for a reason. So, um, and his dad, who I loved watching when he was with the Vikings, his dad was pound for pound, in my opinion, maybe the best tackler in history, because he was so small, but he was a hell of a tackler. His son, his son's a little bit big, a little bit bigger, but he sure makes plays, and I'd love him in Minnesota. Yeah, I can see why. Well, and here's the other problem, you know, the Vikings need to figure out how to shed some salary because they've got like no salary cap right now. They're in the negative. And. The other reason I think it would make sense to draft Winfield, I obviously would love to see them bring back Anthony Harris because he led the NFL in picks, you know, as the other safety by Harrison Smith. So obviously he had a great year himself. But if they aren't able to re-sign him, because I'm sure he'll get a big contract after the year he had, you know, then you could draft, because it would be cheaper drafting a guy. You could draft a guy who is still a playmaker, you know. So I, I agree on that one. I just hope it's not like last year because I said it then. Blake Cashman, who was a beast at Minnesota at linebacker, born and raised in Minnesota, I kept saying the Vikings should draft him, the Vikings should draft him. And I, he either went in the fourth or fifth round, which is way later than he should have gone. And I said on draft day, I'm like, he's going to be the biggest steal of the draft. Like, we got we got to draft him. I've seen him play. And, and I think they wanted to, but they waited one too many rounds. And the reason I say I think they wanted to is because when he finally got drafted by the Jets, who picked, but you know, I forget how many picks before us, but they were a few picks before us. As soon as they drafted him, even though we obviously weren't on the clock yet, because yeah. we were a few picks back, as oh. soon as that pick was announced, we traded down, got more draft picks again, and then took a different linebacker. So that's why, who did, like, not much this year. So that's why I honestly think they wanted him, but they waited, unfortunately, Two, one too many rounds. And 
They loved him in New York when he played. Unfortunately, he had a major shoulder injury and got shut down for the season, um, which he actually had. That was the only knock on him, really, is in college, he, I think, had surgeries on both shoulders um, at different times. So that was a problem. But like I said, he was a playmaker. And the Jets had... Um, the Jets had, I think, what was it? He was like the fourth or fifth inside linebacker alone to get shut down for the year for the Jets. Yeah, they, and anyway, he ended up starting a few games because of injuries before he went out. And okay, again, he was a rookie and he was drafted in the fifth round, which is later than he should have gone. But let's just, I'll just share his stats really quick. So, in the seven games he played, okay, he started, he started, it looks like a total of five and played in seven. He had, uh, he had 40 tackles in those seven games, which started five of them. He had half a sack. Um, he had, Three tackles for loss. He had um, one fumble recovery. Um, anyway, they. My point is, you know, for the few games he played as a rookie, being a fifth round pick, he came to play, and they were really happy about him before they, he got injured. So. Like I said, I said it then, and I'll say it again. As long as he stays healthy, I still think he'll be one of the biggest steals from that draft. Yeah. I was going to ask you, because I don't know if we're going to talk about it, what do you think of the XFL? I'm excited. Um, maybe not quite as excited as you yet, because I just want the Super Bowl and everything to be done before I get super excited. With that said, I am excited, just probably not quite on the level you are quite yet. But after the Super Bowl, I'll get to that point. You should already be excited, Elijah. I mean, come on, what is there not to like about the XFL? Like I said, I am excited, just not necessarily on the same degree you are, because I want this NFL season to end first before I get, like, super amped up. Um, I am... I am kind of in the same boat as you are, but I am just a little bit more excited as you are to see the XFL this this go around. I did not get to see it, and nor do I want to see the way it the way it was before because I was a little too young to see it then. I remember it, and I still remember having my red and black XFL football. I think they still have the same colors as before, logo and stuff, but different teams, and I'm going to be cheering for the Battle Hawks, and you'll be cheering for Tampa Vipers, am I right? Yep, Tampa Vipers, yep. Good colors, though, for them. Oh, yeah, I, I love the colors. That's part, That's just part of the reason I picked them. Um and then they also have Tresdell, who was a tight end I liked for the Vikings. He was kind of a 
practice squad guy, but I thought he was going to be turn out to be pretty good. So I'm excited to watch him. There's other teams with even more former Vikings on them, but um, that combined with the jersey color, I really like. So that's why that's why I picked them. Um, there's also a guy from Mankato who's going to be in that's that. What I gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is which team took him. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, you know, he went to Mankato West and played for the Gophers before he transferred to Rutgers. And um, he had the legal trouble, which I'm not going to get into that right now. But uh, anyway, he's getting a chance to play, so good for him. The other name to watch for, too, is uh, Chad Johnson. Yep. Did he... After I talked to you, I didn't actually see. Did he have his tryout already? Did he sign? Like, what's the scoop there? I, from what I've seen, because I've seen it on Facebook, I've seen it on their uh, Facebook page that he's going to be trying out on Monday for the for kicking position. I hope he lands on, um, uh, St. Louis. I hope he lands on that team as a kicker. They're not going to be using much kickers like the NFL. They'll be, they won't be doing extra points. They'll just be doing kickoffs for kickers. That'll be the only thing that he'll do. Can't they do field goals too? No, they're not doing field goals. They're doing uh, from the two-yard line, you can get a one point. From the five-yard line, you can get a two-point. From the ten-yard line, you can get a ten uh, uh, four-point, three-point. I knew about the yeah, I knew about the conversion thing, but they aren't even doing field goals. I think they are. I don't know. I didn't see anything for that. Because that's what I was asking about, because he could potentially do field goals, too. I think they are. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was referring to, but... I'd have to look more into the rules before it starts and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm going to do that, too, but... What do you think about the few rule changes you've already seen? I'm just curious. I like them. They're, they're pretty good. They... They seem pretty good in my book. What do you think of them? I, I've only looked at a few, but I think it's going to be a fast pace and exciting brand of football. I do think that. That is what Oliver Luck said yesterday. He said that they're trying to make it a three-hour game, shorter for commercials, and shorter for games and easier for teams to come back whereas it's a four-hour game in the nfl or college and the national championship use it for example seemed like it went on forever <laughs> apparently they didn't actually do this but apparently one thing they considered was taking away both field goals and punts they considered taking away kickoffs too, which was interesting because I've seen, seen something about that too. 
in the fans, in the media, they're going, they suffer what fans want. They're being fan-oriented, and the fans want a kickoff, which was fine by me. All right. Although it is still different than in the NFL. That's what they're trying to make it. It's a little bit different. Because the kicker is kicking from the 25-yard line. And the other thing is they must kick the ball in the air and in play between the opponent's 20 and the end zone. And you can't start running off when the kick is, when the ball's up in the air, you have to, the person has to catch it and then both teams can start running. Yeah, but the other crazy thing is the coverage team lines up on the return side of the, on the 35-yard line. <laughs> They're trying to eliminate concussions more on that. Yeah, it's just, it'll just be interesting. Because Oliver said that, um, experts that they talked to said that concussions happen more often on that than they do anything else. Right. Sometimes. Sometimes. Because if you believe, believe it or not, they run full speed, and when you get full speed, then run into someone with your arm, and you can injure them. Also, if the ball is kicked, um, you know, they got to try to eliminate them kicking into the end zone, because if it's kicked into the end zone, it is downed. It is what they call a major touchback, and the ball is placed on the 35-yard line. Nice. I didn't, I didn't see that. So they're going to try to have returns as often as possible. But they are going to make it safer by having the players closer together. Um, and then players can move when the ball is touched by the returner or three seconds after the ball touches the ground. and seeing how long this lasts. I'm thinking it's going to last a lot longer than what it did. Just by how Vince is doing it this time around, he's having people with NFL experience. He's not just him. Right. Being, being away from wrestling and being very into it. I mean, he'll be at the games, obviously, because why wouldn't, why wouldn't he? But he'll, he's going to step away, I think, from the XFL, if that makes sense. Yeah. Also, if a team wishes to run an onside kick, it must indicate this to a referee before the play, and both teams will be permitted to line up using traditional NFL rules for an onside kick. I wish they would have done that a little bit differently, because... The way the rules are set up for the NFL on onside kicks is weird, but that you can't get it. Nine times out of ten, you can. Yeah. Um. So you know they must be ten yards apart from the kicking team. Uh, there will. The only thing I don't like is there's no surprise onside kicks because. It's a little risky, but I've seen coaches do surprise ones out of halftime and stuff, and it makes it interesting. So. Which coaches 
do you like that are coaching on an on, on the XFL teams other than Tampa Bay? I actually, honestly, as I looked at the rosters and jerseys, I haven't even looked at the coaches yet of any team, including Tampa Bay, to be honest. I believe Winston Moss, if that means rings a bell to you, is coaching in the in the XFL. Okay. I can't remember what team he's coaching for. Hmm. Of course, they got Bob Stoops. They what? Got uh, Bob Stoops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Also, they're going to eliminate corner kicks, which I don't really like because possession, field possession is a big part of the game. But at the same time, I know they're making it exciting. So if a punt goes out of bounds inside the 35-yard line, the ball also comes out to the 35. Yeah. So there's not going to be corner punts or, you know... Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot in, and then one question and then I'll have to let you go for a while but I'll call again later um okay. what do you think of the double forward pass rule I like it um what is the rule again so if a team completes a forward pass as long as it's behind the line of scrimmage so that would mean you know it would be more of a deep drop back and kind of a screen pass somewhat so he can pass it forward as long as the guy's still behind the line of scrimmage and then they if they do that the team is allowed to throw a second forward pass as long as the ball has at no time crossed the line of scrimmage it's going to make for a very interesting double pass and i can't wait to see it I, it's going to make some very interesting trick plays is what I think yes. it'll do. Yes, it Because obviously once the ball gets the lot past the line, they can't f- throw another forward pass, but it will make for some interesting uh, trick plays. Yes, it will. All right, so I'm going to wrap up this segment because uh, I got a few more things to do quick, but I'll... Uh, okay. And holy cow, time flies. No idea it had already been 43 minutes. But I'll, uh, I'll give you a call back and we'll talk some more and we'll try to get both hours or however long we talk on tonight. So. Okay. <laughs> so, sounds good. Thanks for having me on for the first hour, Elijah. No problem. Thanks, Colton. You're welcome. Bye. Hello again. Welcome back. Um, I'm going to be talking to Colton again uh, to wrap up this episode of Digs and Distance. Uh, we had to break it up into a couple segments, but I'm going to get back on the Hello? Hey, Colton. Hey, Roger. How's it going? Hey, it's going. Good. All right, so... Sorry we had to break it up a little bit, but uh, we'll finish talking here. Um, So, I know we've talked about a couple different things. Uh, I, from what I remember, though, I haven't really heard your 
initial thoughts yet of the Packer 49er game? Uh, I think that'll be a very interesting game. I'm thinking it might be a close-scoring game. um, Yeah, I think it'll be a very close, close game. Yeah, I I expect it to be a good game too, closer than the last time you guys played. Anyway. Yeah, I am too. And if it is like last time's game, I'm not gonna be too happy on how they end their season like that. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. If and I'm not saying you will for sure lose. Obviously, I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm sure you'd rather have your team play a really good game and lose by... Even though at the same time it's heartbreaking, I'm sure you'd rather have them have a good effort and lose by one or two points than get blown out the last game of the year. Yes, I I agree with you on that one. Yeah. I mean, I I know the close games can be gut-wrenching, but at the same time I'd rather have my team come out and play a good game and just say, you know, we lost, but we played a good game, then get blown out of the water, you know, so. Yeah, the 49ers game last time they played was not a good game by any means. Any of you can agree with me on that one. Right. <laughs> well, the funny, I mean, you guys actually, in certain, um... In certain areas, you guys actually had better stats on a few things, but obviously the score didn't show that. That, that is what I heard also, too, um, on Monday. I can't remember which show I was watching, but they said that, and I'm like, huh, that's very interesting to chalk that up as a good game, but... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take it as a good game just by stats, by any means. I would say that was a very bad game. But yeah, we did. We did do better stats wise, but the score doesn't show that. Right. Yeah. Um. You guys. You guys had actually better time of possession because the 49ers scored quick a couple times. You guys also had more rushing yards. Um, San Francisco did have more passing yards. Neither team was good on third down at all. Um, the 49ers had a few conversions, but still weren't good. And I think you guys were like 0 of 15 or something. But If you go back and look at every single game the Packers had this season, the only game that they did good on third down was last weekend against the Seahawks. That's what I, that, that is what I heard in one of the press conferences. It was either after the game or on Monday that someone brought that up to before, and he's like, I've been telling everybody that we have to do good on third downs, and I don't know what it was on against the Seahawks, but we just did very good. Right. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, if the 49ers do blow them out again, then I think everybody will agree they were the best team in the NFC, but um, 
Well, I mean, either way, you know, they are obviously the two best remaining teams in the NFC. So we'll see, we'll see how the game plays out. So the, the Packers are the health, healthiest team right now. Yeah. That they, that they have ever been all season, other than Bakhtiari, who did a lot through today. Right. And he was, and he had an illness on Sunday. Just woke up on Saturday, well, the next day after Saturday, which would have been Sunday, and um, he had a 24-hour bug. It sounded like. Okay. That's that's been going around from what I've been hearing from you. You said the Vikings had it, and the Packers had it. Well, yeah, Diggs had it, and I. Don't know if anybody else got it or not, but there was a. It's been going around though. I've heard other teams with it too. So yeah. So I'm gonna go back to the XFL for a minute now because we were talking about coaches before, and I'm looking at the list here. If you don't mind, I'm just gonna give. I'm not gonna read the whole bio on each one. But I'll say the name of them and who they're coaching and then just give a short background on them. Because there's, the there's actually some names I recognize. So, um, I can figure that there's going to be names that you might recognize. That's why I asked if you uh, have looked at them. Right. If, if you have a favorite or if you know who the coaches were. So... So Kevin Gilbride will be coaching the New York Guardians, and he oversaw the start of the Eli Manning era and called the plays for the Giants as they won both the Super Bowls in 07 and 2011. So he was the he was calling the offensive plays on those Super Bowl teams. Uh, he also was a head coach for the Houston Oilers, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Steelers, and the Buffalo Bills. So he definitely has some experience. Then here's another guy I recognize. Pep Hamilton will be coaching the D.C. Defenders. Uh, he's been working with quarterbacks since 97. That is a very long time. So he's been a quarterback guy. Um, and he'll get to work with Cardale Jones, who rose from third on the depth chart to lead Ohio State to the national championship in 2014. I remember all about that. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. Other guys, he quarterbacks he's coached in the NFL have included Andrew Luck, Alex Smith, Jay Cutler, and Chad Pennington. So... And he's called the plays for Jim Harbaugh at Michigan the last two years. So he, so that, what's up? You go first. Oh, okay. So that's Pep Hamilton. Um, what were you gonna say? When is Jim Harbaugh gonna come back in the NFL? I heard a rumor. I heard something a long time ago that they that they could offer him the same contract that he kind of has at Michigan or more. I can't remember what team it was that was thinking about hiring him. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it'll happen. I don't know when, though. 
I even though it took him, I mean, obviously they're good again now, but I think you and I agreed on this on a different podcast that at the time I thought they were stupid for firing him. When a guy takes you to the Super Bowl and two NFC, two or three NFC championships, whatever it was, and you fired the guy, like, um, and. I mean, it took them a few years to get good again, too. So, I mean, they are good now, but it took hiring a few people, you know? So. I, I, and I know you don't like Kaepernick for reasons that you and I have gone back and forth on, but I honestly think he made Colin Kaepernick a very good quarterback. He made him a decent quarterback. I don't... Honestly, even the year they went to the Super Bowl, his stats were never that great, in my opinion. He could run the ball, yes, and he was a weapon, but he was never that good of a quarterback ever, in my opinion. But anyway, um, I mean, he, yeah, they obviously had enough success, but that was mostly because of their defense and running game. But, you know, Kaepernick was a threat to run, which you had to respect. Even though I don't think as a quarterback he was that good, but yeah. Um. So anyway, then you got Jonathan Hayes, who will be coaching the Battle Hawks. He spent sixteen years working with Marvin Lewis for the Bengals. Uh so he uh, he was loyal to Marvin Lewis. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. Then you got June Jones coaching or coaching the Houston Roughnecks. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of offensive minded coaches as I've noticed that are getting head coaching jobs in the XFL, which which is interesting but also cool, especially with the brand of football they want to run. So it's just interesting. Um, he found success in the NFL. CFL and college, coaching 148 and 134 overall record. Um, but he's best remembered for his coaching days at both Hawaii. I do remember him in Hawaii. He was there for eight years and then SMU. Um, and during those days, he had offenses that would consistently drop 35 points per game. So... And Hawaii, um, when they had, uh, shoot, I can't think of his name right now, Colt Brennan, there we go, he, uh, he set all sorts of records for touchdowns, passing yards, all that, because they, they were like a spread offense, and they'd pass like 50, 60 times a game, yeah. but they'd just put up ridiculous point numbers. So, I do remember that. Um, so, like I said, yeah, he put up consistently like 35-plus points as a coach at those colleges. That is a lot of points. So, especially consistently. Um, yeah. Then we get to our only defensive-minded coach of the group, Winston Moss, who you mentioned earlier for the Los Angeles Wildcats. Um, 
He was on the sidelines of the Seahawks in 98, the Saints for five years, and then the Packers for from 2006 to 2018. He did win a Super Bowl with them. Right. Um, he also played linebacker for the Buccaneers, Raiders, and Seahawks. Um, so I'm really curious to see what the only defensive-minded coach does against these other offensive coaches, so that'll be interesting. You know, I like Winston. Very, he seems very seasoned, if that makes sense. Right. And I'm kind of shocked that they took him away from the NFL and brought him into the XFL. Yeah. Because I thought he would... I honestly thought he was going to get another coaching job somewhere other than the Packers, obviously, because they fired him, I believe, last season. I believe it was last year when they got rid of Mike McCarthy. Right. And I get what you're saying, but at the same time, if you have a chance to be a head coach, even if it's in the XFL, why wouldn't you take it, you know? Yeah. I'm not not saying I wouldn't... I'm not disregarding that for any means because I would take it in time too. I'm pretty sure you'd probably would too. Right. But I'm just shocked that he went there instead of staying in the NFL. Right. Then you got Bob Stoops for the Dallas Renegades, who will be who will be a future Hall of Famer, and yeah, you mentioned, and he of course turned Oklahoma into the powerhouse it is today. Um, he went 190 and 48 at Oklahoma, and, and won the national championship in 2000. Won the Big 12 ten times, and won the Big 12 South Division uh eight times. So, um, he was named Big 12 Coach of the Year six times. <laughs> And finished with nine bowl victories and 14 top 25 finishes. I believe he was the first coach to be announced in the XFL. I could be wrong. You might have to look that up. Because I think he was the first one to be announced. I think he was too. and And he was the biggest name. Well, I guess I know a few more of them than you, because most of them I know, but... Yeah, it's college. Um, the other interesting thing is... He'll be reunited with Landry Jones, who was a starting quarterback at, at Oklahoma from 2009 to 2012. He was the first, he was also the first quarterback to be announced in the XFL too. Okay. So yeah, that will be uh, interesting. Um, and then you got so the guy coaching my team. I didn't even realize this was. But I definitely recognize him. Mark Tressman. Um, he had a not so great tenure as the head coach of the Chicago Bears uh, in 2013 2014. And the. Uh, I mean, sounds 
The name sounds very familiar. He was also the offensive coordinator for the Ravens in 2015-2016s. And while those years were a rough patch, he has spent 30 years as both an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Um, and and has earned the quarterback whisperer moniker for his overall track record. He called he called plays for the 2002 AFC Championship Raiders and worked directly with Jake Plummer in 98 when the Cardinals ended their 16-year playoff drought. Um, he also directed playoff-bound offenses for the 97 Lions and the 95-96 49ers. So he's got quite a track record with the exception of a couple of years. And I was just going to say that lastly you've got Jim Zorn for the Seattle Dragons who has 30 years of experience as both a head coach and an assistant at the NFL and college levels. He has worked extensively with quarterbacks Joe Flacco, Matt Hasselbeck, and Jason Campbell. And he learned the West Coast offense under Dennis Erickson, Bobby Ross, and Mike Holdengum. So, All of these coaches seem to me like they have NFL experience or some type of coaching experience other than college. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, uh, for sure. And, uh, I, am, I am too. Let's see. And my team starts February 9th at 1 o'clock against New York. That's on a Saturday, I believe. No. Tampa Bay plays Sunday, actually. Um, so. Oh, yeah. Yep, you are right. And then you guys play at Dallas, it looks like. Because you're. Uh, or, no. or wait, hold on. It's. What's the team again? St. Louis Babahawks. Yeah, they play at Dallas, it looks like. At, so, like I was saying, they play at Dallas at 4 o'clock on the 9th. So, you guys play on Sunday, too. The time that we meet, you, your team and my team is... I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, uh, I, uh, week 9. Yep. Uh, on a Sunday. But we also play. We also play week six. Oh uh, yep. No, so, we don't. Oh yeah, we do. Yep. Week six. Week six yeah. and week nine. And there's only two playoff teams in both the East and the West. Because of the, well, I mean, it's only an eight-team league, so there's the play the East teams play April 18th, the West teams play April 19th, and then the championship is the 26th of April, so. It's kind of 
know they're doing the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they're going to expand it next year. I hope they do. But I, I like the two-team rule. Do you? Considering there's only eight teams, yes. I do like the two teams from um, each because that's already literally... There's only four teams at each side, so there's that's literally half the teams make the playoffs. So, which, so yeah, I do like that. Yeah. Now, if they ever add more teams, which, depending how the, it goes, they might, just depending... You know, then it'll be interesting to see based on how many teams they have if they add some, like, how they'll do it. But if they add more teams, what states do you think they'll add? That's hard for me to say. I mean, I'd like, like we talked about before, I'd like a few more teams that don't have NFL teams because... I think there will be some fans like us that just like football so much they're excited for another league in the off season. Yeah. But I think there's also some fans. Actually, I'm in a one group where a few of them said, "I'm so worn out by the end of the NFL season, I don't even want to follow it." Like, so I know people on both sides. They want to watch more football than others that are like, "Nope, once the NFL season's done, I'm done." Um. And, but I think there will be enough, at least, to make it um, interesting. And then, um, but I think they do really well, just, you know, in teams that, or in states that don't have NFL teams. Just like, yeah. and I'm not saying it would ever get to this level, obviously, but look at all the southern states that don't have NFL teams and how yeah. big college football is down there. I mean... Yeah. Granted, that's college, but still, it's like, I think if you went to some big cities that, or decent-sized cities that don't have NFL teams, like Salt Lake City or Portland or, you know, I think, um, I think they could do decent, but... Sounds like they're actually selling pretty good too. Like for the yeah. New York Guardians Tampa Bay game, they're saying there's less than two percent of tickets left. Jeez, that's 
And that's a stadium that holds 82,500 people. So they are getting... They are getting... At least in that game, pretty close. And that's that's one that's gonna be at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, you know, where the Giants play. So there's 62 tickets left, according to this. Jeez. Well, matching matching my filters, okay, to clarify. But either way, they're saying there's less than two percent of all tickets left. And in the lower in the lower deck, it's like 43 bucks a ticket. So definitely, definitely reasonable. Like I said, their tickets are very reasonable, and I'm pretty sure you would look at. And then I thought for this weekend against the Packers and 49ers, I bet it's in the thousands. Let's, and then let's look at the Dallas-St. Um, Louis one. Less than 3% available. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, according to this anyway, it does look like they're actually... Uh, at least the first week. Let's see if the other... Even, like, later in the year, it's less than 4% um, available. Yeah. So it does look like they're actually selling. Yeah, that, I told you that there'd be fans there for them. For well, the XFL. I think I told you that. I th- yeah, I think there will be, too. I just didn't know how many... And you'll yeah, we'll get a better idea on TV if these are skewed at all, or if there's a bunch of people that reselling them. Once we actually see it on TV, we'll have a better idea of like how full it actually is. But either way, it's cool to at least see that it looks like people are interested. So people are very interested. It's probably those old things from back when the XFL was. Pretty damn bad, if I do say so myself. So now where you're getting those younger fans in the mix and some older fans, too. Right. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, anyway, um... Anything else you want to talk about? I know between the two calls, we've talked quite a while again. Um, anything else you have to say? or? I got nothing unless you got something. Um, I think that's about it. Um, there's one other thing I'd talk about, but like I said before, I'm trying to not mix sports on the podcast. Otherwise, I'd talk a little more about the Houston Astros thing, but... That could be for a different day when I have my actual baseball podcast. You can talk about it. I know. I'm just, like I said, just so people can hear the ones they want. I'm trying to keep them separated. Yeah. But anyway, uh, thanks for coming on as always, Colton. It was fun. Thank you for having me again, Elijah. No problem. Thanks.
What's that? I said, see you for pit. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, be talking soon on that. Yep. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Yep. Bye.